me, are they going to lose this game? We got this interview scheduled. I wanted you to go in there so bad. We wanted to take them down before anyone else did. So what is an NFL quarterback room like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. I'm just a big believer in repetition. I'm a big routine guy and goals never end. I'm just a big, 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 Once I stepped on that field today, I was good, man. Welcome back to The Room, episode five. Um, Kyle Allen here, Jordan Palmer. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're not new to the show, welcome back. Um, episode five. I didn't know if we were going to make it past episode two or three. You That's have not true. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying you're holding me hostage at this point, but um, <laughs> this is the room. You know, this is um, the concept is, is, is we're in the quarterback room. We want to bring everyone into the quarterback room. It's where the most interesting conversations happen every week. Um, but really, it's it's not always about football. It's it's about random topics. It's about um, what's going on on social media. But then it's also about the most important conversations in the entire building. So we want to take you into our minds, take you into some of the top quarterbacks' minds in the league before they're going into their most interesting matchups as well. Um, this week, we're going to be interviewing Tyler Van Dyke. We're really excited to get to talk to him. Um, a guy that you and me don't really know, Jordan. I think yeah. we try to dig up a bunch of stuff on him and find out stuff on him, but... We just don't really know that much about him. So, um, well, the only things I know about Tyler Van Dyke is I cross paths with him at Elite Eleven, but that's twenty years times fifteen guys, right? And I just know that, like, whether it's somebody on the Elite Eleven staff, somebody at Miami, somebody you know who's trained him, somebody like the consensus is like everybody's going, "This is a guy right here." Um, and that's why, you know, when we were talking about guests and all that stuff, cause we've got some amazing guests lined up. It was like, Hey, this is a great person to bring in because if you and I don't know much about this guy, there's no way anybody else does. And yet all the smart people I talk to who know him all say the same thing, which is like, this is going to be a guy like, uh, have a great season. If he needs another year, if not high draft pick plays really well for a long time in the NFL type of guy. So I'm excited. We're going to. You know, he's going to be uh, for some people's map. This will put him on their their map. He's going to put himself on the map. But uh, I'm excited for people to get to know him. I'm excited to get to know him better. Yeah, big opportunity for him this weekend. Going against A and M. Obviously, A and M lost last weekend, which was a bummer for them. Dude, that was such a bummer. I I, mean, I get a text from Mike. A and M about to go down. He has no idea that we're interviewing Tyler. And I'm like, A and M's going to lose. No way. Who are they playing? And I look up I'm like App State, and I'm like, Wait, State. no. <laughs> <laughs> don't schedule App State ever. Don't ever schedule don't App schedule State. Them. Don't give them any money to come to your stadium. They'll ruin your entire life. No, don't do it. If App State calls you and you're a big-time school and they say, we'll give you $1.5 million to come to your maybe. school and play. Maybe. You're right. Then maybe take it. But other than that, <laughs> don't play it. App State. They will be Marshall. I'll get you. Don't, don't do Marshall <laughs> either. Um, but, yeah, pump for that conversation. Um with the room, go to our YouTube channel. This is on YouTube right now. If you're watching this, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's super important to subscribe. Going to be coming out with uh, videos weekly. Um, we're on Instagram. It's the room with Kyle and JP, or the room with Kyle and Jordan. Go follow our Instagram. Go get us on TikTok. Fire up our numbers. Keep this going. We're trying to keep this going. Get you interesting matchups um, every week. Interesting guests. We got a bunch of cool guys lined up. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the conversation so far. 
Um, but we're we're stoked to see where this goes, and hopefully we can do this for a while. So. Yeah, and I'm just going to say this, Kyle. Like, we, we believe a lot in confidence as a player. I, I talk about it a lot as a coach. You you believe it as a player and all that stuff. But, like, we think this thing's going to pop. So we either need you to like it and subscribe it or give us the feedback of what would make this cooler. So do that either way um, because we just want to bring the most interesting conversation in football right here every single week. Yeah, and I'm super insecure too. So I'm in the comments. Don't worry. I'm always looking. He's in his oh, he's yeah. in his feelings. He's in his own head. And he's yeah. in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So we get to the first segment, opening drive. Opening Let's drive, go. coach's script. Let's dive into it. Um, so here's some storylines from this week. Um, Kyle, you guys tied. Houston Texans, you're undefeated. What happened? I, you know, I've never tied a game before. Have you ever tied a game? Dude, I got a good story. Uh, I was in Cincinnati. And we're playing Donovan McNabb and the Philadelphia Eagles. And we go to overtime and we get towards the end of overtime. And I, there was, you know, it's to put any game that ends in a tie me. And by the way, this was the first tie in forever. It was like, not a thing. Like mm-hmm. you got to have some missed field goals, some bad decisions, like some stuff's got to happen to play five quarters and nobody won. Right. And, uh, and so we're on the sideline getting ready for the second overtime. And Marvin Lewis brings up special teams, brings up the captain. We're all on the sideline getting ready for the second overtime. And then they go down. Somebody misses a field goal. And the referee says the game's over. And we all look at each other like, there's no double overtime? There hadn't been a tie. So then Donovan McNabb has the press conference. And he says, I didn't even know you could end in a tie. I was getting ready for second overtime. And the media filleted him. Every, how do you not know the rules? What an idiot. You're in your 10th year and you don't know the rules. And we're all laughing going, shit, we didn't know the rules. Yeah, you're in the same boat. You're sitting the same way. He's There's guilty. We have no idea. Over the couple of years, though. I think I remember that game because there was like a span where it didn't happen. And that was when I was in grade school playing ball in high school. And you're always going to overtime. And I remember how dumb I thought that was. And and it's the same thing, like you said, so much crazy stuff's happened. We're up 20 to three in fourth quarter. You know, it was a bummer that we couldn't close out the game that we wanted to. They come back. Matt Ryan plays out of his mind in the fourth quarter, gets him back. Going to overtime. Um, their kicker actually missed the game winning field goal in overtime from about like 40 yards away, or it might have been regulation. I don't even remember. But it's like that feeling afterwards. Like we knew a tie was imminent. Like, unlike you guys, we understood the tie was a thing. And so. After the game, like, you know, you're usually, like, bummed about a loss or you're just, like, pumped about a win. You're going out and japping all your homies. But, like, the energy was just so weird of a tie. You're just, like, especially the first game of the season where you've been game-planning these guys. We've been game-planning them since April, you know? And then we go out and we're just, like, it felt like it was completely pointless to even play the game. We just got out of it and we were, like, what the hell just happened, dude? And then, like, you go in the locker room and literally, like, even after a loss in the locker room, people are talking, like, Everyone was dead silent. No one even knew what to say after that. It was such a bummer, dude. Yeah, I, I think that's it. My first time. Yeah, you don't know how to. I, how am I supposed to react to this? Yeah, you know, like nobody's stoked that they didn't lose, right? And then, but we didn't win. And then, plus, like they should just eliminate the tie, anyways. And I get it's for injuries and all that stuff, but the competition committee's got to get rid of ties because then, just like statistically, a tie, and then this is the breaker, and it's all that, like. Is that what the reasoning is behind it? Is it an injury? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's people going, we don't want to play. You know, we're going to get the. I'm sure there's data on the the amount of plays that players play. And the Colts Colts literally had 92 offensive plays. 
92. Yeah, like somebody's going to get hurt. You don't hear about that ever. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So anyways, um, so the bottom line is, dude, congrats. Undefeated. It's a question. Number one in the AFC South. (laughs) Number one. So you're undefeated, and my son's flag football team's undefeated because (laughs) they got rained out on Friday, so no one's beat us yet. We're the Bills. Was he bummed that he didn't get to play? Yeah, he was bummed. We're the Buffalo Bills, and he wanted to be number 17, so – um, so like, that will be a Instagram post coming. Um, all right. Russell Wilson. Got to talk about it. We talk about it in our own time. <laughs> Might as well talk about it here. Uh, in my, in my, I, and my whole thing in media, in content and anything is I don't talk shit on people, but, uh, for a lot of reasons. But, um, if I had to put like the top 10 videos on Instagram that I've ever seen that are like cringe worthy and make me feel weird. Russ has like four of them and at least four. At least. What's the number one though? Is it Mr. Unlimited? It's Mr. Unlimited. It's yeah. And, and we got Unlimited. a deals number two, but like then, but there's been other ones that weren't as like famous where it's like, hold on a second. Um, and, and we could do, we could go for 40 minutes on this, but, um, can we talk about what he wore to the game from Monday Night Football? Now, 003. How, how, and then the caption, 003. Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's uh, tough. But the, one thing, the one thing you can say about the guy is, I mean, he's getting shit for it every time he does it, and he does not care. So he, I mean, He's, he's the ultimate, like, just be you, bro. Like Committed he, to it. And he's like, oh, I am. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh don't, don't worry. worry i am being me <laughs> let me show you oh, yeah God. follow me on social ever, I, I remember talking to him um he came up to me pre-game one time when i was playing in um uh where was it i think it was in uh, carolina we were playing them i was starting the game and he came up to me pre-game and he like dapped me up and i think he said like 70 words in the span of like 30 seconds like hey man good luck hey you've been playing great out there good job like hey all glory to god man like let's go and like and he was gone and i was like what the fuck just happened <laughs> dude is like <laughs> he's all time i don't i don't get it he's but he is him he uh he's one of one he's one of the best players in this league in my opinion like not one not one of the best quarterbacks he's one of the best players in this league in my opinion um but that outfit. I mean, a lot of thought went into that, right? Like, what am I wearing? I'm going back to Seattle. I'm doing this. So the chrome tuxedo, I guarantee mm. the caption was thought about when the outfit was picked out. There's just no, I have no way of proving it, but there's just no way that that's not true. So 003 walk out. We recorded this before the game was played. So we don't know the outcome of the game. Um, let's shift gears here. Uh, Talk about two other quarterbacks, two really good players, Dak Prescott, Mac Jones. Both these guys go down week one. Uh, I, let's not get into like surgery and timelines and schedule, all that stuff. But just look, you're a back, you're the backup quarterback for the Houston Texans. I was a backup in my NFL career. Like, how crazy is it that teams don't value the backup quarterback? Like, if like, so let's say that Dak's out for the year and he's not, but let's say that he's out for the year. Okay, so the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that were spent this year, not just on players, like on everything for the season, you're just going to go, Oh damn. One of our players got hurt. And I know the quarterback's not just a player, but like one of our players got hurt. Like how crazy is it that every team isn't like all in on their backup quarterback? Cause it's kind of like, 
an extension cord, a spare tire, an iPhone mm-hmm. charger. Like it's not that big a deal unless you really need it. How crazy is this? I, th- I mean, I've talked to some people and I think you've had some more conversations where there's some mindsets where the backup quarterback is the second most important roster spot on the team in some people's minds, not in a lot of people's minds, but there is some people who believe that and they, and they really value that. And then a lot of people will put guys in there who are going to help the starter, you know, like they'll bring in old vets who maybe not be that great, but they can help the starter out. But to your point, I mean, I just keep going back to the guys like, like my year when, when Cam went down and he got hurt, like, I mean, you could say the same thing about them. I was an undrafted free agent at that point in my second year who had only played one game and I was the backup quarterback. You could say the same thing. I ended up playing well that year for a decent amount of time, but my year also drew goes down. Drew Brees with the same exact injury as Dak. He has a thumb injury. Teddy Bridgewater, who was a proven starter in the league, who the saints decided to invest in that year goes in and goes five and zero for them and Drew's rehab time and sets them up for the playoffs. And I think it is just, it's just stupid to not have somebody in there who you really trust and, and who has like a staff, you feel like they're going to go out and win the game. I think I saw um, McCarthy come out and say, I have a list of every available quarterback in the league in my back pocket right now. So that's you sitting there telling me that you don't believe in Cooper rush to go get the job done. No, that's Mike McCarthy going, we've got a backup plan. That we have to start right now working on. (laughs) Like, we got to meet on this and decide and then make phone calls and then put a deal together and do all this stuff. Like, that shit ain't happening by tomorrow morning. Mm. And then when's that guy going to learn the offense? And then when is he going to be up to speed? And then when is he going to figure out exactly how that receiver likes coming out of that break? It's freaking nuts. And you mentioned New Orleans. And that was where it worked, right? Like, they had Uh Teddy Bridgewater. Thank God. The year they won the Super Bowl, you know who their backup quarterback was? Mark Brunel in year 18 with a hundred bajillion career starts and AFC like some guys just get it and they go, Mm -hmm. we got to address pass rush. We got to make sure that our secondary, we got to make sure that our left guard has, you know, that we got six linemen so we can have a swing, but hold on a second here. Here's two teams whose season might be over two or three weeks into the year. Poof gone season tickets. Jersey sales, wins and losses, all of it, all of it, poof, gone. And, and you think about their situations, though, too. Dak, right, six to eight weeks. Mac, they don't. He might be able to play next week, but say he's out for three weeks, right? Like, there, if you have a guy who can get it done, right? All you got to do is keep us in contention, right? You don't need to go six and zero. Oh. You can go three and three, win some games for us. Like you just need to have that guy in your room that can keep us in contention and you know can give you a chance to win the game. And if you're just looking over that spot and, and just bringing guys in that, oh, maybe we'll develop him and maybe he'll be ready to play in a couple of years and to fill that void. You're, I mean, it's just disrespectful to your team at that point to not have a guy in there. I'm like thinking about this as you're talking. So you talk about Teddy Bridgewater comes in and goes 5-0, and oh, right? Uh-huh. And then I mentioned Mark Brunel. Think about I was watching the Saints-Falcons uh, game. And Jameis got hurt, and it was like, you know who was getting ready to go in? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Like, I, I, I'm just going to shout out and, uh, Mickey Loomis right now. Like, come to think of it, you know, we prepared for the show and put thoughts together. I didn't even think about it until now. It's like, Mickey Loomis gets it. And he had Chase Daniel there forever, who was yep. balling in the preseason, who was Drew, yep. he was living in Drew Brees' back pocket. Like, the, everyone had confidence that Chase Daniel could go in there and win them a stretch. 
So shout out Mickey Loomis on understanding something that clearly the Jones family doesn't understand. The Kraft family doesn't understand. And I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there at the back up there, but like, yeah. And people say, you know, well, there's only, there's only 32 of these jobs. I think what we're, you and I, we need to get on the next topic, but I think you and I are saying is like, no, there's only 64 of these jobs. And yeah, exactly. There's 64 dudes who can do this if you develop them. Um, which is why I joined the XFL staff to help develop the next generation of quarterbacks. Plug blah blah blah. Go to one eight hundred blah 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 dot com slash XFL. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Before we move on, um, yeah. I think my mind immediately when I heard the news, my mind immediately went to Jimmy G. Right? Does it make sense? And it went from like a Cowboys Jimmy G. Like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. But the more I think about it, like, does it make sense for Jimmy G. to go to the Cowboys? Oh yeah, yeah. Because you think so? Yeah, because if they, no, no. Well, hold on. Okay, so. Let's let's have this debate from Cowboys perspective, from Jimmy G's perspective, from Niners perspective, from Cowboys perspective. It makes total sense. Do we agree? Mm-hmm. Great. Although Cooper, Cooper Rush looked pretty good. I just don't know. And then from Jimmy G's perspective, this is the last year of his contract. He's unrestricted free agent. So is it better to come in? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Now, if he comes in week four, poor performance, injury home. in San Fran. That's a Super Bowl roster with the right quarterback. Yeah. TBD on if they got the right quarterback. I don't know. Time will tell. But if you're the Niners, I don't think it makes sense. Because I get that from the other day, where we're headed. Like, I don't know. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But if I'm Jimmy, I'm going, yeah, I'll throw to 88. I'll throw, I'll hand it to 21. I'll, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. He's probably got to look at the schedule right there and see. All right, Dak's going to be out sixty-eight weeks. Here's these games. Like such a, like a weird time where you got to be selfish and think about can I ball out in these six-day games and get myself somewhere else? But yeah, is it is it if that. I'm going to go in and play? Is it better for me to wait until I think I might get a chance to play in San Fran or go get right. thrust into this new situation with this new offense? And I don't know these people. It's tough. Interesting. 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 I, I mean, they're putting out calls for sure. So we'll see. Um, on the next thing, Lamar. Um, obviously, the whole Lamar situation is super weird. Even from the draft, you know, how he never had an agent. I think it was him and his mom working together. All the storylines around that. And then, um, I mean, former MVP. Hasn't gotten an extension done on his rookie deal. He's, he's on his fifth-year option at this point, which is crazy that he even got to that point, right? Kyler Murray's already gotten a deal, and he got drafted after him. Um, reports are that he turned down a five-year, $250 million contract with $133 million guaranteed at signing. Um, I think the main hang-up of what people are saying is he wants the guaranteed money, um, similar to what Deshaun got, similar to what Kirk Cousins has been pushing for. Um, when you see this deal from your perspective, like if you're Lamar, what do you think about him turning it down just because of the guarantee? So I got to say this because sometimes you and I have inside information on stuff. And so we like, I have no inside information on this other than um, every single thing that he's done has been different and outside the box. So when people yeah. say that his mom's representing him, you got to factor in and there's been pieces on this. But like his mom was like setting up cones in the park and all the boys in their neighborhood were coming and she was putting them through training sessions. Like this is not the typical like. I love your parents. They're like family to me, Kyle. You know what I mean? Like, but this isn't the same relationship that you had with your mom. This is not the same relationship that Carson and I had with Dana, right? So it's a very unique situation. But I just know like when he got his Oakley deal done, that was like his first marketing deal or his second marketing deal. This is like 
two or three years after he won the MVP. And my concern is that not wanting to get ripped off or do a bad deal has left a lot of money on the table. And it, that, you can't debate that. So if, if Lamar Jackson has very few marketing deals, this is a guy who's an incredible story, Heisman Trophy, first-round pick, MVP, never been in trouble. You can't find any, anybody saying anything bad about this guy. He doesn't party. He doesn't – like this is the best-case scenario. This is the American dream story right here out of Dade County, Florida, and he's – you know what I mean, where he's at right now? This is incredible. This is one of the best stories in, the, in, in football. Like, and that guy doesn't have, he's not like top 10 in marketing. Well, then there's been millions left on the table. That is like something that you like talk about and you go, oh, bummer. Or I hope that's this, this leaving whatever the offer is on the table to be a running quarterback. Who's not big going in your fifth year, five, right? Your year, your fifth year option. And it's not like just play out this year and you'll be a free agent. They can tag him twice. So, like, yeah. for me, I'm sitting here going, man, and I, I talked to enough agents to know that no one's talking to him, to know that, like, everybody has these concerns. And the Ravens love him. They have these concerns, too. So my biggest concern here is, like, and that I'm afraid of is that, like, just nothing's happening. There's not some ulterior motor. He's, it's not that he's not trying to get out of there. It's not that he's not trying to get this amount. It's just that a deal didn't get reached and that sounds crazy, but um, he's one of my favorite players in this league to watch. And this is just like, this should not be happening right now. Kind of vibe. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's crazy. We think of when we look at these numbers, right? It's like, Oh, 133 million guaranteed. Like, like when people see these, they're like, how is he not taking this? This is ridiculous. This is so much money. But then you look at the other numbers, like Deshaun getting two hundred thirty million guaranteed, Kirk getting his his entire contract guaranteed, and then you go into your fifth year as a running quarterback, right? And maybe he's thinking like, you know, the longer I wait around, the longer I I wait, the more money there's going to be, right? Every year the salary cap goes up, there's going to be more money on the table. Every quarterback that gets a new deal, there's more money on the table. So maybe he's taking it from that perspective and betting on himself. But in my opinion, it's just like especially in your fifth year, like fifth year option, like the, the risk of injury is just like, it's tough, but he's betting on himself. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, they had a great game against the jets this weekend. They, they won big. So, but, so let's talk about that. Right. Cause the guy that he, that, that was before him, Joe Flacco bet on himself, right. Didn't get a deal done, bet on himself. And then he won a super bowl and he got paid. Right. But to that point, Joe Flacco was not Lamar Jackson. He didn't never had an MVP. That guy was never, I don't know. He never got a vote. Like my point on this is when somebody says bet on him, he's betting on himself. It's like, we're past that point. He doesn't have to like, why are, why is he making any bets? Like, well, then just give me all the money. Raven's point of view that they're not offering more guaranteed money. I just don't believe what's reported. Yeah. Because like when anytime, uh, any contract, whether it's a contract that's been signed, a contract that's been proposed, a contract that was supposedly proposed gets leaked. You and I know, man, we know these agents, like they're smart. They're good. They understand PR. They understand Mm -hmm. those things. I don't, if, if his camp is just him and his mom and other people, they haven't been doing this for a living. It's not even about how smart or hardworking somebody is. They haven't been doing it for the last 30 years and we're classically trained by somebody who did it for the 30 years before them. So 
My concern here is that there, all this stuff's happening and there is no plan. And there, there, it like maybe more than money than that's been offered. I, 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 my gut here is he wants out. He wants to go somewhere else. Maybe he wants to go be the Dolphins quarterback. Like if that doesn't work, but the problem is like they got you for two more years, bro. They can tag you twice. Oh, Ask yeah. Kirk Cousins. Easily. And well, yeah, Kirk loved that. I don't know if he loved it, but he made a lot of money doing that. But also, last thought on this, from the Ravens' perspective too, right? You've essentially committed your entire organization to Lamar Jackson, not only in like from a quarterback perspective, but from an offensive perspective, right? You've changed the culture of what you do on offense and defense there. You have totally changed that team. And so for them, yeah, they have two years left on the tag, but to get a deal done or to not get a deal done – and possibly have him go somewhere else, and then you have to basically build from the ground up. It's not a plug and play type deal. You got to build from the ground up. Find maybe find a new coordinator, find a whole new system, whole new philosophy. Because the way they play offense affects the way they play defense as well. They run the shit out of the ball, and that helps out their. Well, defense. for the, those who watching and don't know this, I mean, the, the offensive coordinator Jeep Chris was you know ever heard of Colin Kaepernick? He was the OC with John Harbaugh's brother Jim in San Fran. When the mm-hmm. zone read inter and pistol even entered college football, this is a this is you know Lamar Jackson leaves that new team needs to hire this guy. This guy created all this stuff. Like yeah. I think you're absolutely right. This whole thing is built around them. Another two another thing interesting is too is like Hollywood Brown getting traded. Like is that yeah. is Lamar mad at Baltimore for them doing that? Did Hollywood Brown say I want out and I want to go somewhere else? Man, there's like there's a lot of smoke here coming out of Baltimore, which has traditionally been a very stable, very conservative, very predictable, and very successful. They're always good. Very He's successful. Also handled franchise. it in in a way though that's very Baltimore esque. You know, he hasn't been complaining about it. He's said he's pushing his off season, and he's he's acting like it's not a big deal. So, who knows? Um, awesome. Let's talk about another quarterback situation. Um, Michigan. Let me get my thoughts in order for this to not say too much. Yeah, um, I'll, go, I'll go first so you can go off on this one. Um, just from the quarterback perspective, from a quarterback battle perspective, um, you've been in a lot of quarterback battles. I've been in a lot of quarterback battles. I don't think I've ever seen one go into the season. And from just a, a team point of view, it's just like it's hurtful to the team to bring this into the season. I guess you can view these two games who they played. I think they played Hawaii and I can't remember who they played in the first game. It was a nobody. You can treat them as preseason games essentially, I guess. Right. But as you yeah. see with a and you can't treat any game like preseason game, but to bring it into the season as Cade as your captain. Um, and I know JJ McCarthy is obviously a super talented player and he played really well against Hawaii, but to bring this into the season and put this on the rest of your team and the rest of your players, and you don't know who's going to lead your team at the most important position in, in the entire place. And as your quarterbacks, like your starting quarterback, you don't know who's going to be that guy the whole year. Like you're f-ing your team over at that point. Just look at the decision to go about it this way. So let's just go backwards. You want to look forwards? What's happened in the past? Last year, Michigan had a historic year. Um, I don't remember all the stats and all that stuff, but. The only game they lost during the season was to Michigan State. Cade threw for 385 yards and I think three or four touchdowns in that game. And J.J. fumbled at the end. Fumbles happen. It happens, right? But they lost that game. Um, and then they get smoked in the in the college football playoff. But in the college football playoff, they beat Ohio State. They win the Big Ten. They go there. So what's broken? 
What do we need to change offensively? And and by the way, that was all without without um, uh, Bell. Uh, they're like they're one of their superstar receivers, uh, Ronnie Bell. Like, and he's back this year. So they basically got better on offense. So they create this quarterback competition. I've got a lot of thoughts that like I just wish I could just dump on here. But like, what are we switching? What are we doing here? Like, Cade's voted a captain. Don't fix it. And by the way, Cade getting voted a captain at Michigan, I didn't realize, like, it's a much bigger deal at Michigan to be a captain than it is at other schools. Like, I was a captain in college. And if you were to, like, I, I don't even know if I was a captain once, twice, three times. I don't know. I don't remember. Like, at Michigan, it's, like, a huge deal. And so you look at what happened last year. You look at all those things. I think, unfortunately, this is, like, transfer portal issue 101 of if a dude's not going to be the starter, he's going to leave. This happened to our boy Sam. Sam was a redshirt freshman at USC. They were open up the season at Alabama or at Jerry's World versus Alabama. And Clay Helton decided to go with Max Brown. And there was a big difference between Sam Darnold and Max Brown. I love Max. There's a huge difference. Sam's a third pick in the draft. And he went with Max for three weeks. And they lost all three games. And when they switched to Sam, I think he lost his first game. And then they won like eight or nine straight. And we're like, a lot of people thought like maybe the best team in the country and should have a chance to play in the college football playoff. But they lost those first three games. But Max Brown had, had graduated already. And basically, if he would have named Sam the starter, Max would have tra- transferred. And then redshirt freshman and a true freshman backup. This is just like, whatever the reasoning is, it's like, hold on, time out. What, what are we completely changing? You're talking about complete, completely changing from last year that didn't work on offense. It was so broken. Mm-hmm. Why not roll forward with the same thing at worst? I'm not going to get into who won the competition and who did what in practice and all that stuff. But um, that I just, I would just say this, and I, I think JJ is a great kid. I think he's a super talent. Um, but there's just, just a chance that this is how Jim's legacy ends. Like this is how it ends with Michigan because there's a lot of people who are sitting here going, wait, why are you doing that? Why the like each play one game? Why the like split it? Why the, there's just a lot of like why those going on from the coach's perspective too right like you're putting a lot on the line for yourself right here right you got a, a captain a guy who took you to the college football playoff for the first time since i don't have they even been before i don't know if they've even been before it might be the first time so what Let's is just say it like this the, michigan's been like not good like right for not, a decent amount and like they, it's they, not they that they're not in the big 10 they're year. like not ranked at the end right. of the year like they've been bad for a while so why why would you hang your job up on this at this point, right? I think from we talk about this a lot of like from a from a coaching perspective, from a front office perspective of like cover your ass type of deal, right? Like it's they don't want to say it, but a lot of times coaches and front office people are covering their ass with different moves that they make. He's doing the opposite at this point, right? Like the easy move here is to stay with Cade, your captain, who took you there last year. Who it's, it's not broke, don't fix it, and move on with the season. It's just. I don't know. I, I see the talent. And I see the ability, but it's just a weird move. Here's the difference between college pro right here. In the NFL, when somebody makes a crazy move, you know exactly why. The owner made them, the GM made them, or that person made that call themselves. Right? There's nobody else. In college, we don't know. I don't know who the most powerful person at Michigan is. I don't know who the most powerful person at any of these schools. You got to think know. it's Harbaugh at this point, though. No. There's people who pays Harbaugh. There's people upstairs. We don't know. I don't know that person's name. I don't know what their role is. I don't know their jurisdiction. Yeah. And so when I look at this, I go, JJ can't transfer. 
the fan base, it's crazy. There's 200 million yeah. Michigan fans. Like the fan base wants. So I don't know. This is crazy, but um, there's a there's a chance that this is goes great, and there's a chance that this is the ultimate backfire. And a lot of people say, "I told you so." I'm not. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Next segment. Let's get into throw it deep, check it down. Those of you new to the show, this is where we decide: do we like it? Do we not? If it's open, do I take it? If not, do I just check that thing down? I'll throw it to you first. This is going to be a little special edition here, right? Week one last week. What are the overreactions to all the stuff that happens week one? Even like from a betting perspective, my buddies and I, like anybody who bets games, like who are, are like do it and pay attention to it, even everybody there says like, yeah, I don't really play week one. You know what I mean? Because it's just like you don't know. Great teams play Makes terrible. Sense. Terrible teams get a win. So the best time of year to overreact. So that'll be the theme for today. We'll start with the first one. I was at the game. Everybody else in America watched it. Bills at Rams. The overreaction. The bill. The Rams are bad this year. Throw that deep or check that down. I'm checking that down. I I think you're throwing it deep on the Bills are really really good this year, and they're going to be good all year. Um, it's a little bit interesting. I saw something about Kevin O'Connell this morning. You and me both know Kevin O'Connell decently well. In the offense, you know, the Super Bowl hangover for them. They said. You saw the Vikings play the Packers this weekend, and they steamrolled. They got Justin Jefferson open like every single time the play was called to get to him. He had 150 plus yards in the first half, two touchdowns, and the 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 Rams offense just seemed stale all night. Right? You know, Matt Stafford with his elbow, he sailed a couple of them. You could tell that he wasn't really on it. But it's just all these different storylines are interesting. You know. Um, I don't think the Rams are bad. I think their defense is always going to be good. I think Jalen Ramsey and Stefan Diggs, that matchup is incredible. And I think Josh and, and Stefan Diggs just had their way with him that game and they showed it. And the bills are capable of doing that against anybody in the league. I don't think the the Rams are bad. I think that's a super big overreaction. And I think they're going to find their stride and they're going to find who they are as a team. Just like a lot of teams do. You saw with the Packers last year. Um, so no, I'm checking it down on that one. Yeah, I'm checking that down too. I think what the Rams needed, there's no definition for Super Bowl hangover, right? Like that doesn't mean something specifically that you you could have a bad year following a Super Bowl for a lot of reasons. Free agency, lost players, you have injuries, or yeah, your dudes are just, they didn't work hard, they didn't buy back in. There's a lot of different reasons for a Super Bowl hangover, so to speak, but they got some new pieces and I, I think it's just hard to get yourself the buy-in from the entire building, the buy-in like coming off of a Super Bowl when you've got there, I just, and you've had, and no one in the building's ever been there before, right? Relatively speaking, I think it's hard to get that buy-in, that grit, that tenacity, like that extra work, all that attention to detail, which is really what it comes down to, like to get that off of an off season where everybody just had the best year of their life. I think that's harder but the reason I'm checking this down is because I think the what they what you need in that situation is you need to get your ass whooped in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you get right back to it, right? They know how to fight like that. They know how to work like that. They know how to execute like that because they just did it. They won the Super Bowl the year before. But how whatever reason, lost to OC, lost Von Miller, lost OBJ, whatever the new pieces on every team every year. But whatever the reason, I think one thing that can be very helpful is getting your ass beat and then getting 10 days to solve the problems. And the coach can say whatever he wants because nobody can talk. And so no, these guys are going to be just fine. They've got their issues. 
So do the Bills. So do the. So does everybody. So yeah, I'm checking that down. I think the Rams are still one of the teams to beat in the NFC. And like we talked about, I mean, the AFC is loaded. The NFC is not as loaded. We're, the Rams are going to be in the mix at the end, no matter what. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be in the mix. I think you're right. I think it's super interesting, like to think about coming off of that, like and and especially because the game was the Thursday night game. The first game of the year. There's nothing else on TV that night. Everyone's been bro. We didn't talk. That was totally a playoff atmosphere. I was at that game. Like that's a play. Oh, that, was, that felt like a playoff game. I mean, it probably had more Bills fans than Rams fans that year or at the game. Yeah, it was hard to tell because all the blue. But like, it was pretty. I mean, they used silent. Uh, Rams used silent count. Yeah, they had to right in their own stadium after Super Bowl. Like, can you believe that? It's pretty crazy. I can in Los um, Angeles, which is the biggest bandwagon sports fan city in the world. But right. anyways, even after a Super Bowl, man, it's just it's crazy. But the Bills travel like that. I went to that Monday night game in Tennessee last year, and shit, it was seventy thirty in that stadium. It's crazy. And they were the and then and the Titans were obviously good. Yeah, so. such a such an edge on everybody. Um, speaking of teams that came out bad in the first week, Packers mm. two years in a row. Remember mm. last year, thirty eight to three against James Winston and the Saints, and then this year. That's against right. a good a good Minnesota team who I think people are going to see Kirk Cousins has been playing good for a really long time. Mm-hmm. He's been playing consistent and that's a good going to be a good Minnesota team this year. But the offense without DeVonte Adams and I think when I look at this offense and you think about the offense over the past couple of years of how he's had DeVonte as his safety blanket and Aaron more than anyone else in the league can put the ball in a place to where it's catchable no matter what the coverage is. More than anybody else, he can throw a receiver open. And so having him out there, who a receiver who probably has the biggest catch radius in the entire NFL, they're going to make it work no matter what. And we've seen Aaron talk about his struggles with his rookie receivers, his young receivers during training camp. The question is, is this offense going to be bad without Devontae Adams? And I, I want to say no because it's Aaron Rodgers and they have great running backs. But I just don't know, man. I don't know if I see it with the offense and I don't want to come out cause it's week one and they figured it out last year and they looked like shit in week one last year, but like Randall Cobb getting to the end of his career, he's a guy that Aaron can count on, but how much can he count on? Like how much can he count on these young receivers? Cause he plays with so much timing and anticipation. Yeah. I, I mean, is the Packers offense going to struggle this year? I'm throwing that deep. Yeah. I think it's going to be a long year. Um, I mean, you don't just replace Devontae Adams. You don't put another guy out there who's a playmaker who can run. Like, no. The, the chemistry those guys had, I mean, part of Devontae Adams' greatness, a big part of Devontae Adams' greatness outside of his physical abilities is Aaron Rodgers. Like, those amazing back shoulder catches he caught, yeah, it's the consistent ball placement that trains the receiver to be able to turn a certain way. Um, like, the, I mean, I, I agree. I think Aaron when it comes down to all time greats, who's the best at putting the ball exactly where they want it every single time. I don't know. I got to think about who's second on that list. Cause Aaron's first for me. Like I've, I've said like, you know, if somebody asks like, who's who, like, who's the best quarterback of all time, like who's best is better than everybody else's. Like from a longevity standpoint, I mean, there's some young guys playing at a high level, but it's Aaron. Like, mm-hmm. and I still think this is going to be a really, really tough year. Aaron Jones is a great player. Um, but this is, you know, year, whatever for him. And can you really count, you know, use him the ways that you used to be able to complimentary, 
a piece like Devonte. So I think this is going to be a tough year. I think coming off a of back-to-back MVPs years, we're going to see Aaron do have historic or crazy moments. He's going to have crazy comeback wins. He's going to have you know ten of the top fifty dimes this year. Like, but I think they're I think they're in trouble. I think it's going to be tough. And that defense last night, which is supposed to carry them, they got sure they got shredded. Torch. So got yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really tough year for Green Bay. Yeah. yeah, super. Yeah, we'll stay in the NFC. The team that beat them in the playoffs, uh, Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance is not quite ready to be the starter. Throw it deeper. Check it down. This is tough. This is tough because you're never really ready to be the starter at that age. Um, we know Trey a decent amount. I really like Trey a lot as a person. I think personal, like from like who he is standpoint, he's got it in him. Like he's the guy you want to lead your team. But just from an execution standpoint, and this is my only thing I'll say about this game. I, I We were in the locker room before our game, and in the locker room before the game, they got the TVs up, and they're playing all the other games around the league. And when I saw them warming up, and it was torrential downpour, like, that is my worst fear ever. Like, if you pull up to a game and it's like that, you can't throw the ball 10 yards. So I didn't really see it. The stats kind of reflect that, I think. Um, I don't think it's fair to judge him off of this game. I think Justin Fields had like eight completions or something like that, and he ended up having two touchdowns, which got him to win, but he had eight completions in the rain. Um, so I'm checking it down on this one, to be honest with you. I think it's the jury's still out right now. He needs he needs to play better from what I've seen in preseason and what people are talking about. We played them in preseason, and he seemed a little off on some throws, but it's preseason. you know. I think we need to give him at least two or three more games, um, kind of see how he is as the bona fide starter. Maybe not even two or three more. Give him like a decent amount of time during the season to feel it out and really get comfortable in that role. And, and who knows, man, I think that's super interesting with Jimmy there. I think it's just such a weird dynamic. I think, you know, from the outside, they're telling everybody that it's great for him. They have a great relationship, but in the back of your head, if you're, if you're Trey, you're like, man, I thought I got rid of this dude. Like I thought this was my team. I I agree. I'm, I'm checking this down way too early. Crappy weather. I mean, Soldier Field's tough anyways, torrential downpour. But outside of like throw it deeper, check it down here, like it doesn't matter. Ready or not, here we go. Like they picked you, they made the decision, you got to go. Think about the way that every starting quarterback in this league got their opportunity. Pretty much like, all right, you're up. Whether that was a backup coming off the bench, whether that was – people think that like first-round draft picks are just starters and they they forget like – Trevor Lawrence had to split reps with Gardner Minshew all training camp last year. He got 50% of the rep, and then they named him the starter. Deshaun Watson was named the backup first game of the season. And then, I can't remember his name. Tom gets Savage. Hurt. Tom Savage plays terrible. Deshaun goes in at halftime, second half, and then mm-hmm. lights it up and has one of the craziest rookie years for he tore his ACL. Like, everybody started off as a backup and had to get thrown in there. I mean, Kyler Murray is like the first guy that I can remember who was drafted and like he's the starter. My brother was the number one pick. He didn't play a snap his rookie year. He was a healthy scratch. They wanted to let him get ready for that second year. And so I, I, this whole like, is the, are they ready? Are they not? like, it doesn't matter. Here we go. And, and you know, if he would have got more of this, if he would have got more of that, he would have been, but he didn't. It's the NFL. Now the the problem and the bummer is is like Trey played one year of college and I think he played two years in high school. Like he just hasn't played that much football. He hasn't been the quarterback on a team in a game that many times. 
But like I just said, doesn't matter. Here we go. You're up. Um, I think it's going to go fine for Trey. He's got a great team around him. He's got a great play caller who can protect Trey from the things he needs protection from and then can exemplify the things that come really natural for Trey. So I don't think we're going to see crazy numbers. I don't think he's going to be in a rookie. I don't think we're going to see crazy stuff like that. I think we're going to see good football, and he's going to learn before our very eyes. Yeah. It, the fan base won't be patient. The media will crush. I, th- I just look at it. Remove all that shit. I think Trey is just going to get better throughout the season because he's playing. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly too with uh, with Shanahan too. Like he's going to put him in good situations. Shanahan yeah. is a, a really good play caller, really good schemer, and he's going to put him in situations for him to succeed. And as a young quarterback, that is the the thing you need the most is you need your head coach and your and your coordinator more more than anything to put you in a position to succeed and not ask you to do too much. Play to your strengths. You know, guard your weaknesses. And like you said, he's got a great roster. Um, yeah, we're both checking it down here. I think Trey's, Trey's got it in him. It's just, let's get some more reps. Hey, here's my concern. You know how it is when you're a young guy, fighting for first downs, fighting through it, taking on another hit, all that stuff. My concern is that when he does run the ball, fighting, trying to do this, trying to do that, that's where injuries happen. So that's my concern. And I think there's a likelihood that Jimmy G plays this year one way or another. Um, and I, I think those two things happen. I think Trey continues to get better every single week, but if it's not enough or that fighting for that first down, putting your hand on the ground, all that, that, that's my concern is you get even Josh, the amount of hits that Josh Allen took his first two years versus now he's just learned how to run in the league. Like Russell Wilson, you never get to see Russell Wilson get smoked because he knows how to run. He knows how to avoid hits. Trey, you got to play to do that. And so that would be, if I was talking to Trey right now, giving advice, I'd be like, Hey, Air on the side of getting down. But anyway. Sure. All right. Last one. Um, Pat McAfee recently announced that he's joining College Game Day as a full-time analyst. So the whole time he's going to be there. Um, also hosting six alternate college football broadcasts with Manning's Omaha Productions. So like they did with the Monday night stuff with him and Eli. Um, throwing it deeper, checking it down on this. I think for College Game Day, which is a show that has kind of been stale for a while, Lee Corso looks like he's about to croak over on the show sometimes, and he's kind of just up there on life support at this point. Putting uh, putting Pat McAfee up there is the easiest, smartest decision that they've made in a long time to make the show likable again. I remember I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I used to wake up at 6 a.m. West Coast time with my dad in like 7th, 8th grade to watch College Game Day every morning because we were so psyched about all the games coming up. And it's just kind of like not been a thing the past couple of years. So I think this is a hell of a move by them. I mean, I, I learned this from Gary V. Like, you get into media and whatever, it is, you're selling attention, right? And what he does, what Pat's going to do to, to uh, like, college game day, he's just going to bring an audience who likes college game day, just doesn't watch it that much. He's going to bring them over there. And then the Peyton and Eli, everyone loves Peyton and Eli. But there's a lot of people who don't really care about watching their version. He's going to bring them along, too. So I think you're just going to get a ton of awareness with him. I don't think. I know. Um, and then the energy, those two things, you got energy and you can bring, sell attention like that. Then yeah, you're going to make quarterback money as he says he did. He made quarterback money. He is, his energy is unmatchable. It's unbelievable. And it didn't matter if he was an all pro punter or not. He could have been the, like a third string punter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It has nothing to do with his past playing experience. He's just, yeah, he's he's incredible. Shout out to Max. 
All right, so throw a deep check it down. Good little mix of both. And uh, finally, let's do it. Let's get into this interview. We said in the open, I mean, excited to interview Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback for the University of Miami, starting to pop up on some mock drafts, going to be drafted high, uh, Heisman favorites and all these things. And most people, I think, don't know who Tyler Van Dyke is. Um, I'm excited to talk to him. And uh, let's jump into that interview. Welcome to the show, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami Hurricanes. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so we we're talking a little bit a second ago. You and Kyle, you guys have not met yet. Um, and this is this is a fun one. So so far we've talked to Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, a lot of people are waiting to see what's gonna happen there, rookie, and then we, and then JT Daniels for the backyard brawl. That was kind of the only game that week. Uh, that was a big rivalry game. And then, you know, Kenny Pickett, that was decision making time for Pittsburgh. Everyone was, and then Josh Allen the week before the season kicks off. So you're our fifth guest on the show, um, and just you know what we're doing here is taking the conversations that you have in the QB QB room and and bringing it out there. I, us, I mean, I know you a little bit from here and there, lead eleven stuff like that, but like you're a guy not a lot of people know a lot about, and I, that's why I kind of were fired up to have you on because I j- just genuinely don't know you very well and and want to learn more. And what a great time for people to hear another side of you because they're gonna see in my expectations they're gonna see a high level of quarterback play throughout the rest of this year and huge aspirations or huge expectations all that stuff um so i'm fired up to kind of dive into it and and learn a little bit more about you man yeah definitely i appreciate it um is that a question (laughs) (laughs) no and towards the end i realized that's not really a question uh it was also an opportunity for kyle to come in but this well, is I was really you said anything because I'm trying to figure out stuff about him. I was on Twitter all day and Instagram, and and I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my hands. But what we did find, um, I thought was cool. Usually, we we started off with a segment called Teach Tape, where we um, kind of show where you started out and where you've been, and it's usually funny pictures of you when you're little. But we found a cool yeah. picture of you when you were young, Jake. If you could throw that picture up, um, you're from Northeast, right? You're from Connecticut area. You went to high school up there. Connecticut, yeah. yeah. Somehow ended up down in Miami, dreaming of one day. 2010 in Miami. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, it is crazy. And I never, I never realized it till like two years ago. My mom posted that um, again. Um, so my my grandfather, his good friend was Tony Soprano, who was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins um, back in 2010 for a few years, and we used to come down here all the time um, and watch the Dolphin ga- Dolphin games. And um, yeah, I never realized. Um, like I forgot about those moments back then before I committed to Miami. Um, yeah, so it's definitely pretty cool to, to see that um, being in like the same stadium that I'm playing in now. Yeah, when you were getting recruited by schools and, and Miami came, I mean, it was probably easy for you at that point. Yeah, Miami was probably my, my biggest offer. Um, I mean, I had schools like Purdue, um, I had Michigan, um, UCLA, Cal. Um, some other schools too and I just felt like Miami was the best opportunity for me to win games there and um, take Miami back to where it used to be so yeah I mean I think that's a big topic that a lot of people have tried to do you know like over however many last year since Miami's been good I know I texted you we got a lot of people in our locker room that went to Miami I think you played with one Brevin Jordan you were there early when he was there he went out he's always talking shit about Miami in the locker room he's a stop personally but um, yeah, he's, yeah. You know, last year we can kind of go into your career a little bit. We can get back to teach tape, but 
you know, talking about a guy trying to bring it back, you come in last year and I think you may have lost one or two games since you got in and you got off to a hot start. Like what was your, your mindset kind of coming in? Because I know how hard it is to be the backup. Me and Jordan, I mean, I've been the back of my whole career, Jordan's career backup, like coming in for the starter when the starter gets hurt is tough, especially when you haven't spent the whole off season as a starter. How was it for you and what was your mindset? Yeah, I mean, coming in as a freshman, um, I was always the one who would just go to work, you know, not not talk, talk much and uh, just show my leadership through working and, and lead by example. And I just carried that on through my first year and a half. And um, I was prepared like I was a starter. Um, I mean, Derek was the guy in front of me, and I always just learned from him what, what he did. And, um, just try to copy what he did because he, he, did he did it the right way, so. Um, once it was my opportunity, I, I felt ready for it, and I just capitalized on it. Was there like a point in the season you think where you could feel the team start to to get that confidence in you too? Yeah, I would say. Um, I mean, the first game I started, we played Central Connecticut, um, so that was honestly pretty cool. Um, me being from Connecticut, that was my first start last year. Awesome. Um, I knew I knew a few guys on the team, but yeah, my second game was Virginia. Um, struggled a little bit in the first half, but. I feel like the second half, um, that's when I started to be more confident. People started believing in me. Um, and after that, I just felt like everything started to click and everything was just going right. Let's move on to the, the, the next part of Teach Tape. Kyle, what do you got here? Yeah, so next part of Teach Tape. So we're going to check out some of your plays. What we like to do a lot is like kind of, you know, we're talking about just being in the quarterback room, talking shit, whatever, but also – the quarterback room is like where you have the most in-depth conversations and it's, it's where the team runs through the quarterback room, right? So we got a couple of your plays against Southern Miss. We want to dive into your mind, dive into your like pre-snap thoughts. It's super interesting hearing how other quarterbacks think pre-snap. What like, where are your eyes at? Like, what are your protection thoughts? Like, what's, are you looking at the safety? Are you looking at the nickel? So we're going to pull up a couple of plays and I want you to just take us through what you were thinking from snap to finish. Yeah, so this one, um, I mean, we were running the ball well this game and um, struggling a little bit in the first half to get things going, putting the ball in the end zone. So um, they were butting pretty well on, on the runs and, and knew we can get it behind them. So uh, Coach Gaddis called it at, the, at a perfect time. Um, yeah, I'm just reading uh, that safety coming down. He bit pretty hard and, and knew I had Keyshawn number five over the top right there. This is yeah, a tough field space to go from from the 35 because you can't just let it go and you got to get it up and come down. And you also don't really know on any of these flea flicker or stutter goes or any of that. You never really know how long the guy's going to sell it for. Fair. Right. Because if that yeah. receiver just shatters for a second and goes, now you got you're just getting the ball and he's already at the five and you don't, ha you know, now it's a jump ball back shoulder. Um, I guess what when this play gets called, it's also tough to not predetermine that I'm throwing this thing no matter what. Um, I guess what was the the concern when this play got called or or thing like, hey, we got to do this because, again, this is from the 35. If it's from the other 35, you can take three hitches and let it go. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we, we practiced from this play from right about here all week. Um, we knew when we get, got in the high red zone, we were going to call this play. Um, and, yeah, I was just – knew I had to get rid of the ball pretty quickly with running out of space, so – um, if Keyshawn wasn't there, number five, I would have went on to number 85, um, going up the sideline there. Um, but yeah, I had to get the ball out quick and just put a nice two ball on it. And, um, that ended up being a good throw. 
Was this was this sudden change or was this uh, just where you were at on the drive? Yeah, so we scored um, and then our defense had a good stop and then we had a punt return probably about 30 yards to the 35 right there and um, this is the first down to 10 right after oh, the punt cool. return. All right, yeah. so this is off the sudden change call sheet then. So we had a kill on our flea flicker and it's always so sketchy. All right, we had like a three tech come right through and thank God Rex Burkhead picked him up and we got like a 60 yard gain out of it, but it was right at half. But yeah. flea flickers are always sketchy in my opinion. But when you call from yeah, the you got to take your eyes off the defense. I, it's, I think it's hard yeah. unless they're wide open. All right, yeah. we were looking up stuff for you or I was looking up stuff on you today and this was all over Twitter. I mean, this is an absolute dime. I was trying to figure out the concept here Third and 10, what are you guys running? What were you expecting on third and 10 for them to run to? Yeah, so um, it was actually a freeze call. Um, got them to jump off sides. Um, they're a big two-trap team, uh, too high. Played a lot, a lot of different ways. They like to blitz a lot, show a lot of different stuff. Um, they played a lot of cover three against us, too. Um, and uh, Last week, they didn't. They played a lot of two-trap and played a lot of three this week. So. Um, we got him to jump off sides. Uh, 12 is actually supposed to come across the field on a, on a deep over. Um, but he ended up uh, running down the seam. Um, saw the safety kind of just kind of being a little bit lazy and saw a little hole in there. I could fit it in there and, um, in that tight window and just let it rip. We had a free play. So. Yeah, this, this is just supposed to be th- three by one, four verts, right? Yeah. And this yeah. supposed to be a number three coming across. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what it looks When you like. get those freeze calls, uh, are you checking the sideline? For people who don't know, when, you, when we call freeze, you're trying to get the defensive line to jump. When they jump, you snap it and you get a free play. You see Aaron Rodgers do it all the time. Are you checking yeah. like to make sure they throw the flags? Because I've had that happen before where I thought they threw it and I threw a pick and they did not throw the flag. Yeah, I check all the time. I mean, I actually had an instance in practice during fall camp where – uh, one of our scrimmages, I thought they jumped and they didn't throw the flag. And I forgot to check. Uh, ended up throwing a jump on and that defense ended up com- coming down with it. So I've always made a sh- uh, make sure to check every time now. Kyle, in the league, if you had, do you have it? I'm not asking what the Texans do or what the Hurricanes do, but um, if you had it where any play where they jump off sides, we're just going the offensive line basically does to field goal block. Everyone squeezes down. And outside guys go. You guys have that, even if it's a run play called, and they yeah, jump. Then it's, it's, it's more go. of like a. It's more of off of the cadence, right? It's just like when you have this cadence in. Like I think back, like my rookie year, we had like a black black cadence with Cam, and it was like black black. We got no play called at all, right? And you're just barking out cadences, waiting for the clock. Like you get out of the huddle right away, so the headset's still on, and you're you're barking out cadences. And if someone jumps, you're going. And if not, you know, they're going to give you a call in the headset. That's that was always my favorite to get up on the ball, especially early in the games, just to kind of get them out of their like third down stuff. That was always mm. my favorite. Yeah, no doubt. Very cool. Well, um, let's take it back to Suffield Academy. Um, I mean, it's ironic. I almost grew up in, in Connecticut. My, my dad got transferred to New York when my brother Carson was a sophomore in high school. And we bought a house in Greenwich. We were moving there, the whole deal. And, um, and my brother and I were pretty upset about that. And, uh, my dad ended up for two years commuting, flying home from New York every weekend so we could stay out here. And, uh, but I almost, almost grew up in Connecticut. Um, how would you describe, um, 
like Connecticut football to a teammate where who's from California or from Florida or I mean like how, how do you describe Connecticut high school football? <laughs> we have these conversations a lot from all the time. Um, where I went to school was a boarding school, so we were allowed to recruit and get players um, from wherever. Uh, we had we had kids from Texas, um, kids from Boston, New York City, uh, everywhere in the Northeast, really. Um, the public school football up there is not good at all. Um, like they get killed down here in Florida, Texas, California. Um, but I think my team, um, we were short on numbers, but we had about fifteen um, like good guys, D one guys that could play played at the next level, playing at the next level right now. Um, but other than that, we didn't we didn't have depth, so people were going uh, both ways, playing receiver, DB, linebacker, running back. So, um, but I feel like. We could compete. My team could have competed with uh, most teams in the country. Did you play both ways? Not me. I didn't play both ways. No. You could have definitely played outside linebacker. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would have played safety, if anything. Free safety? Yeah. Dude, let's talk about boarding school. There's a chance, Kyle, that we're like three seasons in on this show and we've interviewed like every quarterback and we never meet another guy who went to high school at a boarding school. Will you describe boarding school to a dude from California and a dude from Arizona who are like boarding school? I know what a private school is. What's boarding yeah. school like? I mean, yeah, private school, prep school, boarding school. Um, I actually commuted every day. I would drive 30, 45 minutes every day to it, uh, to my school. But other Saturdays. dudes live there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Other guys on the team live there. I would stay over overnight sometimes, but yeah, you eat dinner there, breakfast, lunch, everything. Um, uh, dorm check. You got to be in your room by 8 PM. Um, Damn. yeah, all these strict rules. I mean, people are still in high school, so you got to the weekends like there though. Uh, the weekends, um, you could be out until 11 then you had to be in your dorm. Um, by then, so but you could you could check out um, to like day student houses and like go and stay a night there, but then you had to be back the next day. So it was it was strict, but um, I mean I had a good time there. So, but when you go from and it's boys only, no, it's boys boys and girls. Okay, so you go from that to to Miami, not even University of Miami for a second, just Miami, just South Beach. Like, what's that transition like? Because we all see whether it's somebody who's had a really strict household in high school, goes off to college and falls off the deep end or develops bad habits or starts doing stuff or freshman 15 or what, like all of a sudden they're just, their behavior is and the structure is so different. They have no idea how to handle it. You obviously had football and big aspirations. So you got that guide in you, but like how tough was the transition from boarding school to Miami? Because to be honest with you from public school to UTEP was like not that crazy. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that different. Yeah. It's kind of doing the same stuff I was doing in high school. Um, I think it was pretty similar for me. Um, I mean, Miami, Miami is also a small private school. Uh, my high school only had 400 kids in it. Um, Miami only has 10,000. So um, it's pretty similar in size difference in comparison to um, other my high school to other high schools and Miami to other big colleges. So I, I feel like the transition was smooth for me um obviously um I mean I was driving home every day and um seeing my parents and living at home but and now um, I'm doing stuff on my own living on my own so um I mean I feel like it was pretty pretty smooth honestly 
I don't know about uh, 400 to 10,000 comparing those two. A little different in Miami. That's, that's a close comparison. Miami's a trip, man. Yeah. I was saying, like, Miami compared to other big colleges and um, is, like, com- comparable to my school, which is, like, 400 kids to, yeah. like, a – 2000 yeah. high school. You know? I guess when I was at, when I was at A&M, the, um, it's like 70,000 there, I think. And the town was 90,000 and the stadium held 110,000. <laughs> well, that's what you, that's what we were going into next week. Yeah. So get ready for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going to Miami, um, your last year, you had a quarterback battle last year in camp, didn't win. Um, what do you think you learned from quarterback battle it's probably your first quarterback battle you've ever had. I remember in high school, I think I had one quarterback battle when I was like a sophomore. And I remember thinking to myself, like, if I don't win this, I'm never going to play football again. That was my mindset in high school, but probably yeah. your first real quarterback battle. Um, since then, what, what was your mindset coming out of it? Not coming out as the starter uh, last year. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of knew I was, I was, I was that second guy. Um, I really believed in Derek that he was the guy and, at that time, I think he, he was the, the right guy to play. And um, Derek's a good player. Um, and learned a lot from him. Um, so I kind of knew. I was actually fighting for the second string job. Um, okay. Just trying to win with the, the second string reps. Um, but, yeah, I would I always tell myself, just just keep going. Never get too down on myself. And just try to stop thinking about the negative things. Like you said, yeah, when, when you have a bad day, you always – uh, threw a bad ball and am I am I a good quarterback? Can I play the sport in the NFL or even at college, you know? Um it's, yeah, a real it's all thought. about Yeah, it is a real thought. You just gotta stay mentally focused and and know that you're here for a reason and just believe in yourself. It's so tough when you're in those quarterback battles to not magnify every single like rep in practice. And I've been there before where yeah. I've been like I have like one day in practice where I had like a great day and I'll be like, dude, I should be a starter in this league like i should be like out there with everyone and then the next day i'll like go like six for 20 in practice and be like dude do i even belong here like should i just like retire today like what's the deal it's especially in training camp where you're just like so locked in it's so hard not to do that yeah i feel that so looking at this year um things have changed at this point heading into this season very different than heading into last season right um Mm -hmm. I mean, your top 12 in the preseason Heisman odds. I'm going to read you some stats that don't matter, but top 12. I, I saw some mock drafts. I don't pay attention to them, but only if it catches my attention. Again, doesn't matter, doesn't affect anything. See your name way up there on a couple of them. Um, and <clears throat> you guys are picked to win the, the Coastal Division, all these like, you know, picks and rankings and all that stuff. Um, I mean, how. How has the last 12 months been? Uh, for what I do, man, I, I work with qu- quarterbacks of all ages. I've seen a lot of lives change in a short amount of time. I mean, being around Joe Burrow his senior year where his life will never be the same. But before that, it was, you know what I mean? That type of change. Josh Allen's third year was like, okay, your life's never going to be the same now. I, I, I've seen that happen in a short amount of time, and I've seen that happen gradually over years. For you, the story, I mean, you guys are only two games in, so who knows what what happened this year. Um, But just the last 12 months, um, how has that been? How are you handling that? And if you're handling it well, which it looks like you are, what's the key to that? Why are you handling it so well? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, when it was my turn to start, I mean, 
everything changed. Um, I mean, I just told myself, just go out there, have fun at first. Um, I've been playing this game my entire life. Just do what you do best. And um, ever since that day, I, I told myself that. Um, I mean, I, I believe I'm one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And, um, you know, I just I just have to believe in that. And, um, yeah, I, just, I don't know. It, it, it definitely changed pretty quickly. And, um, you know, going back to it, um, I remember just – I also had negative thoughts going into it, and um, each week, you know, I actually lost the first two games I started, um, Virginia, North Carolina, and like Kyle said before, um, I would have negative thoughts about, you know, should I even be playing at the University of Miami? Am I good enough for this? Because my, my completion percentage was um, 50% below that in um, those two games, and um, after that, we played NC State, and that was probably the most confident I've ever been. I actually said something on, about NC State, uh, saying that we beat them last year, like 44 to um, – we scored 44 points on them. And uh, right before the game, I said that. And um, they made college game day. Uh, and ever since that day, I just had extreme confidence in myself and um, just handled everything um, like as a man. So, you know, just – yeah, each day I just – I, I try to stay off the, the ranking stuff and seeing all the stuff on Twitter. Um, I deleted Twitter um, for, b- before our fall camp. And, I, yeah, I try not to look at that stuff because, um, you know, it can get to people's heads. Sometimes it does get to mine. I just tell myself, just keep going. Don't don't look at that. Just do what you do best. It's all noise, right? It's just, yep. it's just outside noise. I think we, me and Jordan talk about confidence a lot, like on here, just in life in general. I think we just – we Jordan was the first one to say this, but I think we think confidence is the most important quality a quarterback can have. And I think everyone gets it from somewhere different. You know, everyone has their own story, their own journey. We're going to hear yours later, but everyone gets it from somewhere different. Like, where do you think your confidence derives from? Like, is it, is it way back when is it high school? Is it when you were young or is it new? Like where, where does it start for you? Yeah, for me, I think it just, I mean, starts with, yeah, I've always been a competitive kid growing up, and um, you know I've always felt like I was the better one at every sport I played. So just having that confidence and um, just going out there and knowing that I can get the job done, and and knowing that I can do what I do best. You know, just having my teammates believe in me, trusting my teammates. I feel like the confidence comes through them. Um, but yeah, just just believing myself is biggest thing and that, that gives me confidence and um sometimes when things aren't going right i start doubting myself and i tell myself just move on to the next play mm-hmm. like you're gonna throw a bad ball you know every once in a while just move on to the next play and uh, i feel like that just keeps my confidence high um moving along in the game let's talk about the alumni at the u i think it's it's the uh, maybe lsu maybe usc does the like when you think of that school you think of the alumni like the for- the former players you know what I mean? Like when you yeah, think of yeah. University of Kentucky, you don't like think of the long list of greats. Like, but at the U, I, it's probably number one, especially guys my age because I actually I watched them when they had the mirrored visors and their shirts rolled up, and you, you know what I mean. Like I, I remember that. Um, but and they're vocal, right? I mean, they'll. This is what I think. These guys are soft. These guys are are weak. These guys aren't getting it done. These guys are the real deal. 
whether it's guys in the Houston Texan locker room or all 32 locker rooms, I'm assuming, um, or not, there's a lot of noise coming out of the alumni. A lot of them are going to watch this. For some guys who are fragile, that's going to make things harder for them, right? The more the, the pressure, it's just more pressure, more expectations. For some guys, they're going to respond negatively to that. You strike me as the guy who's, I mean, you started off 0 and 2, and those are your only two losses, right? We lost to Florida State, too. Okay. Maybe in the season, so, but, yeah. so, but for you, the trajectory that you're on, the way that you're playing, the way that you've been playing, clearly that's not having a negative effect, it's having a positive effect. What what has that fan that uh, that alumni those former play and I know you know Ray Ed those guys were Ravens when I was a Bengal like yeah. <laughs> vocals an understatement. <laughs> What's that do for you all these all these alumni? Yeah, I mean it's pretty cool. Uh, Coach Reed Ed Reed he's actually on staff with us now. Um, I know that he, he's he's actually been there for this is third year already. So um, you know just talking to him. And understanding his thoughts of what safeties are doing, it's pretty cool to learn from. Obviously, one of the better, best safeties to ever do it. So it's pretty cool to learn from. I mean, Alonzo Highsmith um, just joins the staff. Uh, just having those guys around is—it's incredible. And just the knowledge they they learned from over the over these years, it's um, it's pretty cool to see. And I have um, you know Steve Walsh, Bernie Kozar. These guys from uh, Bernie's a trip. Him. I've been around Bernie. Yeah. He's a he's a trip. <laughs> yeah. he, he's always at practice um, talking to me and texting me. So it's, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, all these quarterbacks from back in the day texting me, calling me. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. That's a that's Ed Reed on staff talking to you about what safeties are doing. That's different, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's the best awesome. case scenario. And then you guys got Cristobal there as well. Cristobal has been a great coach. He's bounced mm-hmm. around a little bit. Um, he said that you, the thing that you've improved on most this year from last year is your leadership. And I think obviously leadership is really important as a quarterback, as anyone who's going to lead the team. But I also think it's super important for coaches to put you in a position to lead. You know, I think coaches can tell you get better at leadership. You need to be a better leader, but until they put you in a position to lead, it's tough to be that leader. How has he put you in different positions to lead? Yeah. Last year, I mean, I got thrown into it, you know, um, I mean, obviously, had to expect it, but didn't expect it at the same time. So um, that leadership role kind of came up on me, on me fast. So um, I feel like last year was kind of – I took a big step in my leadership role. Um, obviously, this year I'm the guy now. So um, had to be more vocal, had to um, be that true leader of the team, that guy that everybody uh, depends on. Um, but, yeah, he we have a leadership council. Um so every week we meet uh, with Coach Cristobal, Coach Feld, the strength coach, and just talk about um, what we need to improve on, uh, whether it's football or just um, operations-wise with the program. And um, before each game, he calls on one of the leaders to give a speech. So I had to do it this past week. And yeah, those are some ways he just tries to get you got, get the leaders involved. How'd the speech go? Did it go good? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Nice. There you go. Yeah. All right. So moving forward, got A and M this week, man. I was watching a bunch of college games. You know, anybody that I work with, I'm watching them fast forward into their defense. Just like Saturday's nuts in my house. And um, and Mike, who you met, coaches with me, texts me. He's like, A and M about to go down because I wasn't watching that game. And I click over, and I'm yeah. like, Are you kidding me? Are they going to lose this game? We got this interview scheduled. I wanted you to go in there so bad. Right. 
Uh, it doesn't change that you still got to play AM and they're still really good. Um, but oh, wh- like, where were you watching that game? What was your reaction? Like, what's the vibe in the locker room? Like, you know, talk me through that game. So, you know, AM losing at home to Appalachian State. I remember when Chad Henney and the Michigan Wolverines lost to App State uh, when they were ranked fifth in the country. Shout out Corey Lynch for blocking the field goal. Played with him for a handful of years. But, like, where were you guys at um, and what was the vibe? Yeah, so we just finished our game when it started. Um, probably got back to my apartment at, I don't know, 5 o'clock and turned on the second half. And, um, yeah, it was a close game. I was like, wow, App State's hanging in there. I knew I knew App State was a good team. Um, they put up 61 against North Carolina the week before. Um, so I knew it was, they were going to give them a, a little um, competition. So, um, yeah, I just came back to my apartment, watched it, and, I was like, I was like, wow, they're gonna lose right now. And we were, we had a group chat, um, the offensive guys, and we were hoping that A and M would win for the reason you said um, that we could, we wanted to take them down before anyone else did. So yeah, and they're supposed to be college game day there. So yeah. so Appalachian State gets one point five million dollars to play. Yeah. They beat them, and now. College game day is not going to AM, it's going to App State. Going to App they State. Stole- yeah. <laughs> no way. They stole- I didn't see that. They stole the-, the game day yeah. from them, too. Who were they playing? Yeah. James Madison. Oh, my God. Yeah. App State's like that. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. We also saw after your last game, there's a bunch of reports on Twitter, which you don't have, so you probably didn't see it. I'm sure you heard it, though, that. Uh, you weren't pumped about the performance, so you stayed after and threw with the receivers after the game. Is it true? Um, we threw this morning. Yeah. Okay, there you yeah, go. I ended up going last yeah. night. Yeah, but um, I, I was going to say receivers were probably going to be pissed at you if it was after the game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I watched the film. Um, missed a few throws that I should have missed. Uncharacteristic of me. And, um, just have to go in there with a better mindset next game and just be more confident about it. So, Yeah, what do you think it is? Because I think there's some games where you're dialed in and you're hitting every throw, and there's some games where you just miss some or it's just not you, you know? It's uncharacteristic, like you said. Is it like a fundamentals thing or is it like a mindset thing for you when that happens? Um, I think that this past game, it was fundamentals. I'm just getting away from it a little bit. Um, I mean, I was still 21 of 30. Mm-hmm. Um, 70%, but um, I mean, I should have been 28 of 30. Um, just missed throws that I should never miss, and no. I never really miss, so um, they just have to be a little bit better. Yeah, you guys don't realize this in college. You you will when you get to the league, just the value of preseason. In college, you don't have a preseason, so you're ironing stuff mm-hmm. out. I, I talked to a lot of quarterbacks on college quarterbacks on late Saturday night, Sunday, you know, about about yesterday. And a theme through week two for several starters has been we're shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, the dumb holding penalty, the PI that we got, the running into the kicker that, I mean, I can go down the list. But, you know, you're so focused on Miami, that's the only thing you're paying attention to or whatever team you're, the quarterback's on that I'm sitting here going, well, I just watched 14 games and everybody is. I mean, Bama almost lost to Texas. Because they're shooting themselves in the foot, sorting out, making mistakes that they don't typically make. That's the whole point of playing cupcakes early. So, um, yeah, I think part of that is you guys need to work on those fundamentals. But bigger part of it is, is live bullets are flying. It's a real game. Um, ironing it out. So, 
that's awesome that you're taking the initiative and addressing it. But at the same time, certainly not a reason to sound the alarm. Like you said, missing throws and going 70%. Not a bad day at the office. Um, looking forward to A&M. What do you, without, you're not going to give away the game plan and here's what we're going to do and all that stuff. But like, um, what do you, what do you like about this matchup? Uh, I'll, I'll leave it as vague as that. What, what excites you about playing them outside of Kyle Field is a dope spot to play. Kyle Allen knows it's a lot named about after it. me, if you didn't know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah, but um, I think it's a great opportunity for us to go in there and, and show, uh, show what we've been working on the entire offseason. Um, show them that, I mean, Miami's a, a good team and, and that we can win these games. Um, I, I think in the last few years, um, the last three SEC teams we played, uh, we got Miami's got blown out. I mean, we had uh, Bama last year, and then a few years ago LSU, um, then lost to Florida in 2019. So I think it'll be a good opportunity opportunity for us to go play an SEC team, and um, and I'm excited for it. I think the biggest stadium I played in last year was Florida State, so this is going to top it. Um, but yeah, we're excited. Um, we like our matchup. Uh, obviously, they're a good team. Um, got great players on defense. Really good defense. Um, we only, only gave up two touchdowns the entire season so far. So, um, yeah, we're excited to play them. Kyle, do you have any advice going into Kyle Field? I was just trying to think of that. I was trying to think of any way that you could get an edge up on them. And it's just. So, for you don't know and uh, viewers don't know, so Kyle. Went to Texas A&M, started ago. as a true freshman. He was the quarterback that followed Johnny Manziel. Yeah, so gotcha. I guess the one thing you have going for you is in Miami, you probably have like a bunch of cheerleaders on the sidelines. And when you go to A&M, there won't be that distraction. There will just be a bunch of guys in, in white get-ups. So like your eyes will be uh, military. You'll be good. Yeah, a lot of military. Yeah. It yeah. is probably, I will say though, Kyle Field is the dopest place I've ever played in my life. It's, it's going to be a Including great Including NFL? Um, I mean... New Orleans is sick. I haven't played in KC yet. I really want to play in KC. I think we actually play in KC this year, but there's like Kyle Field, like there's nothing like the energy of a college football game. When you watch college football on Saturday and then you go and watch NFL football on Sunday or like we're in our stadium this weekend in Houston for the game, the energy is like night and day. Like watching the Texas-Alabama game and seeing the energy in there, it's just not the same. And then when you go into Kyle Field and this will be the biggest matchup of the year for them, They've been itching. There's people out there on Tuesdays like camping out to get tickets and they'll sleep in three nights out there. You know, I just yeah. think like, you know, be where your feet are. You always, you seem like a very simple, like chill dude, like be where your feet are and take it in because I think playing at Kyle field is my favorite place I've ever played. That's awesome. Do you like, you like home games better or away games? I like away games better. Um, Same. I mean, Miami, most quarterbacks Miami, say that. Yeah. We don't have we don't have really have much of a college atmosphere because we play at Hard Rock, so we're about forty five minutes away from campus. So a lot of <clears throat> a lot of students will go up and watch the game, um, unless it's like a big game. But uh, that's why I like going into away away stadiums and seeing that college atmosphere and, and playing there and, and making the the crowd uh, quiet. Did you like away games better, Jordan? Why do you think most quarterbacks do? Because what he just said right there at the end. I think there's something when, when you silence a crowd, like when you throw a touchdown pass on third and long, right? So it was just as loud as it gets mm -hmm. and, and instantly it just got quiet. And the only yeah. people celebrating are the people who actually put in the work with you, yeah. the coaching staff, the trainers, equipment manager, the, you know, the people on the sideline and the players. And it's just something 
super some of my most memorable like games that I was a part of were just like huge road wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 100%. So, last question here before we get into the next segment. So, how many offers did you have coming out? I had like 23 offers. 23 offers. Yeah. Uh, so 23 head coaches offered you. Did Jimbo Fisher offer you? He did not, no. Nope. Does that mean anything to you? Does that do anything for you? Is there anything there? Not really. I mean, I was I came from Connecticut, so a lot of a lot of school. I never was recruited in the SEC at all. Um, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Um, but yeah, not really. I can care less about that. You know, I just just want to go in there and with my teammates and get that win. So yeah, it's a bummer because they've just continued to be a quarterback away, but. Um, but no, that's, uh, yeah, fired up for that. Well, let's get into self-scout here, Kyle. Um, so we're going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. Um, a little trivia and we're going to score it. All right. Uh, are you starting to sweat? Beads of sweat. Don't get nervous, dude. This is not that big a deal. It's okay. Slightly. Who's the letter? Yeah. Who was terrible at this? Uh, JT Who's in last question? JT was horrible. JT went like JT Daniels went like one for six. He was overthinking it though. He's just like trying to use his smart brain, overthink it. Yeah, that he he does that. Um, all right. So you are proud son of Connecticut. We've talked about that a little bit. Who is the highest drafted quarterback from the state? Drafted quarterback from the state. Um, Steve Young. Steve Young's from Connecticut. Yeah, Greenwich. What round did he go? I don't know that, but it might be Dan we have the, the answer here is Dan Orlovsky, but we yeah, need to yeah, check yeah. on that because I kind of feel Yeah, we like, need to check on that. Oh, no. Steve Young was like the – if I'm unless I'm tripping. I think he was like a 14th rounder or something. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Orlovsky. That was my second guess. Okay, so Dan was a six-round pick. supplemental draft. Yeah. Is that accurate? Did you just read that? I read that on the internet. There you go. Yeah. All right. So I think, I, think we gotta, I think we got to give a half point there because we got supplemental draft. We got we got we got weird things going on there. That's good. I didn't know that. That's a good fact. Just Jake Wayne in there, producer and creator of this. Um, yeah. So we'll give you an asterisk because we gave uh, Kenny Pickett an asterisk too because we asked him a question and he looked over about how many games his something about his his uh, fiance's soccer program. And he like looked over there and she gave him the answer and we caught him cheating red hand. We put an asterisk next to that one. <laughs> we'll put an asterisk next to that one. Cause that's kind of uh, Jake's bad. I'm glad Jake got to get introduced here so we can go ahead and blame him for that one. But Thanks, Jake. Um, yes, the specific question should have been in the NFL draft. Um, but yeah, Orlovsky. What round was Orlovsky? Man. Do we know? Pretty sure. You, I just remember it being a six round pick. Cause he was a year ahead of me. I was a six round pick. We had the same agent. We kind of threw together the first couple off seasons. He's a super good buddy of mine um, and killing it right now. All right. So one for one with an asterisk. Kyle, you go next. All right. So there's not really a right or wrong answer for this, but I want to get your take on it. So you've been doing a bunch of NIL stuff. NIL seems to be popping off at Miami, by the way. It seems to be a great spot for NIL. Um, You did a, a pretty good commercial for College Hunks. Tyler, want to play? Sorry, kid. I got a job to get to. Is that college star quarterback Tyler Van Dyke? I heard he got a job. Good for him. Tyler, you got a job? It's more than a job. It's a culture. Better movers, better pay. College Hunks is building leaders every day. Join the winning team. 
really good acting skills. You seem pretty confident looking at you about this right now. So um, put on the polo, getting in the truck, moving boxes. The real question is, since you've done that partnership for them, since they've paid you for your work, how many boxes have you actually moved? Zero. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Way to put in the work. We could have put the over under it a half. And we yeah. go from there. Half, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it with the NIL right. stuff? Have you think you've done like the most on the team out of everybody? But it seems like Miami is going crazy with NIL. Yeah, I think probably the most on the team. Um, I mean, we have like NIL programs, um, a few uh, boosters. Um, one's called Life Wallet. Like, a lot of guys on the team have it. A lot of athletes in Miami have have a deal with them. So, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that money in uh, athletes' pockets here. So, cool. Can you send us some merch? Some Van Dyke merch. <laughs> I need some merch. We're gonna be sending you some merch. Oh, by merch? The way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sure. saw it on your Instagram today. I would, I'd like at least a hat or something. I'll rock the Van Dyke hat. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Our boy Bear sent him a Jackson hat. Here he is, next day, rocking it. All right, next question. Um, there's Heisman odds. Your top twelve, whatever that means. Speaking of Heisman, who was the first Hurricane to win the Heisman? I mean, I know the two. Um, let's see if I'm running this. Is it Vinny Testaverde? That's right. Ooh, it is. I'll, I'm going to throw in a bonus for you. I'll, I'll remove the asterisk off the first one, and you'll just straight up be three for three if you can tell me what year. 1980. Three, Ooh, close. close. That's a really good guess. Nineteen eighty-six. I, I, there's no uh, way in hell I would have known that, anyways. Um, bad with that stuff. Testaverde's a legend. Um, yeah, dude. Testaverde, Loki was like the first guy to play till he was forty. I mean, that was bananas yeah. when he was forty, and he was like getting called off the street to play two games, and people were freaking out of the fact that a forty-year-old. And now, I mean, Aaron's got five more years. Russ has got seven. It's crazy. Um, uh, you want to take the next one, Kyle? Yeah. So you grew up in Connecticut. You're used to the cold winters, moved out of there, get to Miami. It's only snowed one time on record in Miami. What was the date that it snowed? Just give us the year. Actually, um, someone told me this about a year ago. I'm trying to remember. The date or the or like No, the year. year. Just give us the year. The, the date's a little too specific. 2006? Mm. 97 that's tough 1997 okay that's funny that someone told you that it's such a random thing to be talking about yeah yeah it is where's he at four for five he's uh three for four four right now he's three for four all right so one of them's at at arkansas one of them is at penn state yeah are they playing are they like guys um the one at arkansas is a he's like a second string db He, he plays a little bit um, rotates in there, and then uh, Jaden, he, he's also a rotator in there. They don't, they don't start, but uh, okay. they should. Question: yeah. What are their college numbers? They're both nineteen. Mm. Long, I, I, I bet it. I know that just because I mean, obviously they're my guys, but I also when I came to Miami, I was nineteen too. Um, so all three of us were nineteen. Sweet. What and and why'd you pick? Why'd you pick your number now? I was nine in high school, so I just after Brevin left. Brevin was nine, 
Um, yeah. Ask cards did, did if I could source them on. And what, uh, why were you nine in the first place? Um, growing up, I was actually eight. Um, and then I went to my, my high school and we had like old jerseys and they didn't have number eight. They only had nine. So I just wore nine. Um, just kept with it. So, so it wasn't like because of a guy like Drew Brees or something like that. No, nah, no. Nah. Why were you eight? I think I just that was my favorite number growing up. Second grade when I first started playing football. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is more of an elementary yeah. thing where it's just like I just like yeah. the shape of the number eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I exactly, eight yeah. in Washington. I liked it because it was symmetrical. It was nice. <laughs> All right, four for no. five. That was good. We got one more. Um, Obviously, at Miami right now in the ACC. When is the last time that Miami won the ACC Coastal? Uh, 2017. That's correct. Mm, it's locked let's in. go. Locked in. When they debuted the turnover chain, which you guys don't have anymore, right? You retired the turnover no, chain? Yeah. Chris about took it away this year. Smart. It's run its course. That's not a bad thing at all. Those things are getting obnoxious. I feel like that was the... That I, that was the like it was the turnover chain and everyone else has their own version, but that was the first anything turnover, yeah. right? I mean, it was. It was before fun. that, it was like high fives and running chest bumps, right? I mean, I yeah. like when they have like the trash can though, and they like go and like alley you dunk the trash can. That one's sweet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, I think you're in first place, bro. I mean, maybe these questions weren't hard enough. Maybe like Kyle said, you're just locked in, but. I think you're the clubhouse leader through uh, through five weeks here of the room. So congrats on all your success. Who knows how this is going to go in football, but in trivia, not a bad start. Um, so lastly here, we're going to get into something we call the two-minute drill. Last segment, um, we're going to hit mute on our microphones. I, I think one of my favorite parts of what I get to do for a living, I mean this, but also um, my real job, you know, coaching quarterbacks. I love playing. I it's the guys, it's the journeys, it's the, like the dude's stories. It's, I don't really remember that many games and that, and I don't remember that many playbooks or anything like that, but you, you remember the dudes and the journeys. Um, and I've had, heard a lot of guys journeys and thought this was a great platform for, uh, for you guys to share yours. So we're gonna put two minutes on the clock. Um, this is the two minute drive and, uh, you can start this wherever you want to start this. Um, but it ends right here, right now in the present moment. Um, but I'll, I'll give you, give you the floor here to just kind of, what's your journey, the highs, the lows, the success, the adversity that's, uh, got you to the position that you're in right now. Yeah. So growing up, um, I was always that guy, uh, in my town. Um, and then going into ninth grade, the coaches, the head coach, uh, son, um, he moved into town. Uh, he was previously living in another town and, um, he was also a quarterback and, um, I went to my public school. I played on the freshman team. I was a quarterback on the freshman team there and played a little bit of JV. And um, his son was um, also a quarterback. He played receiver there uh, on the freshman team. And then after practices, he would bring him up as a quarterback and me as a receiver. So it was totally switched. And um, I was like, at that point, I'm going to find a new school, private school, um, so I went to Suffield Academy, um, actually repeated my freshman year there. So I did five years of high school, um, was originally in the class of 2019, um, and went to 2020. Um, and my first two years, there was a, a junior and senior there, uh, before me and split time with them. And 
my sophomore year, I actually broke my hand. It was out most of the season. Um, that's probably one of my lowest points. Didn't think I didn't think I would be recruited anymore, and um, just kind of persevered through that. Uh, got to college, or got started getting offers my my junior year of uh, high school, and um, going to camps, doing all the the camp um, summit over that summer, and um, Ended up picking Miami, went to college. Um, my freshman year actually got COVID twice, um, was competing for the backup job, and um, ended up being third year my freshman year. And um, my sophomore year was also the, the backup, and um, obviously uh, Deer got hurt and uh, was ready for my opportunity. And uh, that was probably, my, probably the highest moments of my life. And I love You're good, bro. Good. Keep going. That's uh, more of just a, a two-minute drill. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Um, I mean, yeah. Started playing. Um, yeah, obviously, like Jordan was saying, um, my life changed um, after the first few games and um, just kind of took it and rode from there. And um, ever since then, um, just played with confidence. Um, and now I'm here, here where I'm at now. So um, hopefully it just keeps – Getting higher. Obviously, there's going to be adversity through the journey, but um, just got to keep going with it and, and keep fighting. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing it. I mean, Connecticut to Miami and then wherever you're is in store for you in the future. It's a pretty crazy story. Um, just, just lastly, I mean, how good is Miami this year? Like, how good can you guys be? You win in the rest of your games. Like, like, what's your mentality here beyond a And M? Yeah, I mean, I think we're one of the better teams in the country. Um, I think our defense from last year is going to be really good, really improved. Um, a lot of young guys um, playing last year that really are taking the next step now and brought in a few transfers that are going to help us too. And um, So I think that's going to help our team out tremendously. Last year we had to score about – we had to score 30 points to win the game. Um, and this year I think it's going to help us out, um, kind of take the stress off the offense, that pressure off the offense. But – uh, we have playmakers on offense too. Um, we have a few good running backs, receivers, and yeah, I think we're going to be a, a really good team. And um, I mean, hopefully, we can compete with the those alpha teams up there, and, um, and we'll see. But yeah, I think it's going to be a good year for us. Well, man, you got A and M, you got North Carolina, V Tech, Virginia, playing Florida State. You're at Clemson, finished up the season at Pitt. Now um, I think you're off to a hot start. Big win this coming weekend versus I don't care what happened last weekend. A and M is A and M, um, and you got a chance. To, uh, you're you're in position A, right? You're 300 yards right yep. down the middle with a perfect lie. Got an opportunity to really take this, and um, I'm stoked we got to kick it and get to know you better because I'm certainly going to be watching a little bit differently moving forward. And um, Kyle, you got any 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 thoughts? Not a question. Just like he's in a good spot right now. I'm putting yeah, you on the a good spot. spot, dude. I always enjoy when we do these with guys that we haven't really met before, Jordan, I know, you know, most of these guys, but some of these guys I haven't talked to. So, um, I think you're in a great spot. I think just from my previous experience, and I think you kind of already got this down, but just be where your feet are, man. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy where you're at. Like you're with your boys playing college football. It's like you said, you're like, you're just trying to have fun out here, man. And I think you already got a good grasp of that. So I think just keep having fun. Like you've rode the lows, you're riding the highs right now. Um, you got a great opportunity this weekend. It's like you said, like 
the only way to find out is to go and do it. So just keep your head up. Um, keep playing great, man. I'm, I'm pumped to watch. Yeah, man. And, and what I always tell guys is like, dude, don't, don't give anybody too much credit. They got to play against you. Exactly. That could be a problem. So enjoy it, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for taking some time. Big game. Enjoy Kyle Field and the whole experience. And uh, bring that dub back to the U. I'm trying. That's the goal. So appreciate you guys. Well, I think that was um, what we were hoping for, right? I mean, a dude we didn't know a lot about, got to learn more about. Um, I, there's all sorts of personalities in football. I think, but, you know, loud, quiet, this, that. The thing you got to be, though, is I think you got to be consistent and predictable as a leader. Like mm -hmm. your teammates got to know what they're going to get every day. And coming out, I don't know, my impression was like, I think the guys in the locker room there know exactly what they're going to get. They can expect that. They can count on that and rely on that. Seemed like a super mature dude. Yeah, you can kind of feel the quiet confidence from him in that. And I think the consistency is there. I think you can feel him simplifying everything in his life and what he does just to focus on football. And it seems like he's just so locked in on football. Like the guy's dialed and he's got a great opportunity this weekend against A&M. Um, an opportunity with a schedule when we looked at it, if you can get past this week and kind of get to the end of the season, you got a chance to to do something big. So uh, a lot of a lot of high expectations for him at the beginning of the year. I think he's handling them super well. That was a great interview. And I think it's one that people don't know much about him. I remember we were trying to dig up stuff on him. I couldn't find anything on him. Yeah. Um, but stoked to get a chance to talk to him. And Kyle, stoked to get a chance to talk to you as well, bud. Thanks, man. It's always nice to catch up once a week, even though you text me all the time. Yeah. Um, well, as we usually wrap the show, um, if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Please share this. Look, we're trying to get this thing going here. We think this is going to be big and pop and it's going to be the smartest conversation in football. Um, but like brands and YouTube doesn't think that until a ton of people watch this. So that's the goal here. Uh, give us some feedback. It's still early. Um, we're going to read the comments. We're going to see what people say feedback wise. So please give that to us if you have it. Some of you who are watching this, who are friends and all that stuff have given me great feedback. I appreciate it. Um, but let's do what we always do. Let's uh, end with a moment of gratitude right now. Talking about uh, right now where our feet are. We talk about being where our feet are a lot. What are we grateful for? Kyle, start with you, man. What are you grateful for right now? Um, it's t it's a little tough for me after the tie. I'm not going to lie. I'm in, a, in an interesting spot mentally. Um, but I will say from a family perspective, what I'm grateful for is uh, – my little niece was having some health issues for a while um, and we just got a text today in our family group chat that she's she's back to normal levels and she's stable and she's feeling great. She's feeling healthy and she's getting her energy back. So um, I know you know this from football season. You know, you bounced around to a bunch of teams. You're kind of away from family for six months out of the year. You're getting texts from them. You're getting calls every now and then, but you really got to get your family time in from January to April. And so it's always weird, especially my brother has two kids now, um, not being able to see them grow up a lot and uh, just kind of living through pictures. So thankful for that and um, hopefully get more family time in, in the future. What about you? Um, so I don't know if you know this, but it's been super hot and super humid in California. It's been, mine's kind of mine's kind of dumb, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, yeah, it's been like hot, hot. Like, like 100 degrees almost. No, like 100 degrees every day for like a week or two and humid. It's weird. Um, and I'm one of the few people who live in Southern California who have lived other places. I've lived in Jacksonville. I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Ohio. I've lived in Buffalo. You know, I mean, I've lived in a lot of places. And so, yeah, my wife and I have spent 
multiple times here in the last two weeks going like, this is just a taste of what the rest of the country is like for months. And you're a guy who lives in Dana Point in the offseason and is currently residing in Houston, Texas. So this should hit home. Yeah, my wife and I are just like, yeah, I'm stoked we live in California that this is like, you know, a hot streak of two weeks and not four months. So mine's dumb. It's weather, but it's what I'm grateful for. Sorry. It won't be like that if you move to Nashville, though. Don't forget that. No, it was literally it was a conversation. It was like, yeah, it's like this for like four months in Nashville. And, you know, it's hard to do stuff with the kids and it's hard to this. And Dottie's pregnant. And so like that's it's just and there's no hot and humidity is not helmet. Like, and there's no organic tree juice bar. Uh, anyways, so that's what I'm grateful for. But um, I'm grateful for that, and I'm fired up for week two. Bunch of good matchups, bunch of big games. Thursday night football, Kansas City taking on the Chargers. That's oh, a game everybody wants to watch. Um, yeah, I'm fired up, man. This is going to be a great week. As far as next week, we'll see. Talking to a couple of people, but we want to hear from you guys. We want um, we want to bring college and pro. Um, we've got some of the best guys in the league lined up, but we also have some spots open. So we want to hear from you. Who do you want to hear from? And if you throw a name in there also, what do you want to, what questions do you want asked? Um, we can create whatever we want here. Um, so send those in as well. Appreciate it, Kyle. Thank you. If you listen to this point, thank you as well. And uh, we'll see you next week. Doses. See ya.